today on Abounding Grace. You need to ask the question out loud. What should you do? And the answer will always be you need a word from the Lord. You need to hear from God. This is not the time to hear about all the opinions of man. It is not the time to start thinking back in your history of how you dealt with it and what can I do and trying to figure it out. It is a time, we are living in a time, we are in a culture, in a time in human history, what the Bible describes as the last days. Church, we need a fresh word from the Lord. That's what you need, and that's what I need, and that's what we need. This is amazing grace. We've got a great time in the Word ahead of us today on Abounding Grace. We'll join Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Kings chapter 3 in just a second as we near the completion of a four-part series called Faith Forward. Well, maybe you'd describe yourself as weary and tired in a season of dryness. We've all been there. What do you need at such times? Pastor Ed will suggest we need a word from the Lord. Curious to explain in part one of Digging Ditches. Take your Bibles, open them to 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. And I've entitled our Bible study today, Digging Ditches. Digging Ditches. Now I realize that it's hard to remember Bible studies and sermons. Some of you have already forgotten what I said last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago. So one of the tools that we as pastors use is we try to use phrases and even titles of messages to be a hook. So that if you can remember the hook, then that will then lead you to other memories. So today you will for sure remember digging ditches. But if you just go a few weeks prior You'll remember the first study in this series was the battle belongs to the Lord. And that's easy to remember. We can remember that no matter what we face, large or small, the battle belongs to him. Walking in faith, we can trust him. And you'll then remember the battle belongs to the Lord will tie you to a verse that's specifically shared by David as he's fighting Goliath. So sometimes we have huge giants in our life to fight. And that's how we're entering into this new year, just understanding that the Lord is going to fight our battles and we can trust him. Number two, remember, we learned about who we are. And we had a few words that were very easy to remember in that next study. We, we remember, uh, we, we learned that the vision of our church is what? When, disciple, and send. We can remember that. That's not hard to, re that's not hard to remember. And it ties us into our history and to the passage of Scripture in John chapter 12, verse 21 where we're just responding to people that know and maybe don't even know that they wish to see Jesus. That's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to see people one for Christ, built up in Christ, sent out for Christ, so that he might be preeminent in our lives. And that's a foundation of this church, a pillar of this church. And then the next week, which was last week, we learned about the impossibility that a man by the name of Zerubbabel faced. 
apathy and indifference among the people of God. But God sent him a word through the prophet Zechariah, and he told Zerubbabel, you're standing there in front of an impossibility, but it's not going to be by your might and not by your power, Zerubbabel, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And not only that, in the power of the Spirit, remember, he's going to look at the mountain and he can speak to the mountain and say, who are you, O mountain? And we learned that that represented the significance of the problems that were beyond his ability. And many times that's exactly what God does. He either sends us into or allows us to be involved in something that's beyond our ability. Which leads us to today. And walking into a new year, and I know walking into a new year really just starts with a change in your calendar. You know, we buy, we get rid of the old calendar, we get a new calendar. But we can't let the significance of a new year pass us by because it represents everything that hasn't happened yet. It's like a blank slate. It's filled with opportunities and it's filled with possibilities. But if we don't walk into a new year expecting new things, wanting new things, striving toward new things by faith, abiding in Christ, well, then we're going to miss out and it'll just be another year that passes by and we're just like, well, another year, another year. And before you know it, life's over. And none of us really want to live that way. None of us want to waste our lives. None of us want to squander the days and the weeks and the months and the years of God. I I mean, at the heart of every true born-again believer, but also every human being, you want to make a difference with your life, an eternal difference. You want to be able to timestamp in someone's life the image of Christ and his love. But if you don't choose, and I don't choose to make conscious choices daily, I mean, repetitive, daily, conscious choices and decisions to press forward in him, to look up to him, to be expectant for a fresh work of his spirit, then we'll miss out once again. And so today, one of the ways you can walk into a new year is to learn how to dig ditches. And from our text today, we're going to learn exactly what that means and apply it in our lives. Now, I have already taught We're not going to do a verse-by-verse study today. It's more of a topical study where we're going to take a couple of verses and really highlight them. However, I have taught through this book of the Bible verse-by-verse. So if you want to go back in and get context before and after, and I think we just started again on our radio ministry. We just started airing 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, and 2 Kings. So that's where we're headed in the radio. If you want to go back and listen to those, I would suggest you start with 1 Samuel and then go 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. And we went through verse by verse many years ago on those books. And by the way, it was a study with, for, for me personally, it was a study through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and 1 and 2 Kings with Pastor Chuck Smith listening to him on cassette tape that caused me to fall in love with the Old Testament. So I already loved the New Testament. That's where my pastor was teaching when I was born again. But when I started listening to the Bible from beginning, Genesis, Exodus, went all the way through. By the time we got to 1 Samuel with Pastor Chuck, I mean, I was just blown away. Like, it's one of those experiences, like, this stuff's in the Bible? The da- this David guy is amazing. Oh, he also makes amazing failures, but the God of David is amazing. Or King Saul, or King Solomon, or the divided kingdom. It's fascinating stuff. Great to study and learn. And we're just going to look at this highlight in 2 Kings 3. And we're going to learn in 2023 that God wants us to be digging ditches. Look at verse 1 with me, 2 Kings. 
Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned 12 years. So by the time we're in 2 Kings, the kingdom, after Solomon, the kingdom divided. And any division that's not dealt with is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And here we have divided kingdom, Israel and Judah, two different kings. And notice Jehoram is described in verse 2 as he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But he wasn't like his mother and father because he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Verse 3, nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin, and he didn't depart from them. So as the Bible opens up in in chapter 3, Jehoram, uh, he's a horrible king, but he's not as bad as his dad, who was also a horrible king, but he's still pretty bad because he persists in sin. He's rebellious toward God. He's hard-hearted, and it says here he didn't depart from sin. And I think before we even get into the rest of the text, there's a word from God for some among us today, and that is it's not God's will for you to persist in your sin. That is not God's will. It's not God's will for you to be satisfied. Well, you know, I'm doing a little bit better than my dad or my mom. God doesn't want you to compare yourself to mom or dad. And praise God, none of us had Ahab, or none of us had Ahab or Jezebel as mom and dad. Amen? Yes? And praise God for that. However, not everybody had the best upbringing. Not everybody was raised in the best home. And the work that God wants to do in your life through being born again is not merely a comparison to your parents. He wants to do a brand new thing in you. Generational change starts with you and what he's doing fresh in your life. Even in, your, in this moment now, change can be made among change. But you don't want this to describe you. You did evil on the side of the Lord. Oh, he wasn't as bad as Ahab and Jezebel, but he persisted. I mean, that's, here's the word. That's your problem. Your problem is you, you don't repent. Your problem is, is you aren't ready for God to do a new work. The problem is you're persisting and persisting and persisting in your sin. And it's not good. And receive the word of the Lord today. Notice verse 4. Now Misha, the king of Moab, was a sheep breeder. And he regularly played the king of Israel. That would have been Ahab. 100,000 lambs and a wool of 100,000 rams. Basically, verse 4 says he was overtaxed. And he was paying it, getting along with it. But when Ahab died, verse 5, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time, and he mustered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I'll go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And now Jehoshaphat's going to get in trouble because of this. You know why? Because the Bible says evil company corrupts good habits. So now Jehoram gets in trouble. He go, the unrighteous king, he now seeks out an alliance with a righteous king. And Jehoshaphat's going to get in trouble again because this is his pattern. He connects himself with, you could say, if you want to use language today, an unbeliever, and he's going to pay the price of hanging out with an unbeliever. So notice, it says in verse 8, which way shall we go? And he answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom, where they pick up another king to join the alliance. And so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah, 
and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days, and there was no water for the army. So just mark that. This is about 37 miles of of marching. It's a military. This is a battle scene. These are hardened men down in the Judean wilderness. It's hot. It's hard. And after seven days, they finally figure out there's no water. There's no water for the army. There's no water for the animals. And then the king of Israel, he freaks out and he says, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. So remember, the king of Israel, Jehoram, he's not connected to God. He does evil on the side of God. He's persisting in his sin, and he sees the situation, and he's in a position where he's given up. We're toast. We're not going to make it. Look what God has done to us. Now, God didn't, this isn't the work of God at this point. Somebody didn't plan well. They didn't have water. If they knew they were going to battle, they should have brought the supplies. Jesus taught us that. He taught us about counting the cost and which person going to battle, he even uses the, the illustration, isn't going to first figure out what he needs to win. So there's now a lack of preparation and Je- Jehoram is quick to blame God. And so Jehoshaphat says, the good king, is there no prophet of the Lord here? So in, in the difficulty of the situation, the king separated from God freaks out about it. But the king connected to God understands we need a word from God. We're in a tough spot. He's in the exact same spot. And he says, isn't there a prophet around here? We need a word from the Lord. That's what it says, that we might inquire the Lord. We need to ask God what's going on. We need a prophet. It says in verse 11, one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So attacked by Moab, you have this confederacy of nations. They head out. They get to a place where they're in desperation. And you can see faith and unbelief active here. Unbelief through Jehoram. He just, what are we going to do? Alas, what are we going to do? What's happening here? And then Jehoshaphat representing faith. He says, hey, you know what? I don't know what we're supposed to do, but I do know this. We need to hear from God. That's what we need. We need a word from God. And then one of the servants, hey, Elisha's around here, and they all choose to go down to Elisha. Now, let me just say, this may describe you today, where after seven days, or after seven weeks, or after seven months, or after seven years, you find yourself in a place of service or a place of battle or a place in your life or a place in your singleness or in your place with your family, with your kids, with your job, where you are in a place of drought and you're weary and tired after marching and then coming to find out that there's no provision and you're in a place of drought and tiredness. Because there are those times in all of our lives where we're not as strong as we were, or we're not as confident as we were, seasons we could say of dryness, seasons of drought, seasons of lack, seasons of great needs. And as wonderful and joyful and as glorious it is living for Jesus Christ, it also comes with trials and difficulties and challenges. Every single one of us. 
As a matter of fact, Paul would put it this way. And when he's writing to the believers in the region of Galatia, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he says it this way. He says, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Life and difficulties go hand in hand. And of course the new year is going to have challenges. And of course the new year is going to be difficult. And of course the new year is going to take the challenges of the old year and you're going to bring them into the new year and you're going to have more difficulties and more challenges. I mean, it's this 22nd, we're only 22 days into the new year and some of you are already done with the new year. It's already done. Like, uh, that's, I've had enough. Give, us, give me another year. Give me another number because 2023 has already been hard and it's already been challenging and it's already been difficult. And you have a choice to respond as a man or a woman of faith or to respond as a man or a woman of unbelief. One of our greatest problems, as one author put it, one of our greatest problems in life is that we are unbelieving believers. We're not living according to the promises of God and trusting God with our lives. Born again, yes. Living for the Lord, no. Living by faith, no. And so God has brought you to a place where, hey, even if you're like Jehoram and go, alas. And I like how the New Living Translation translated that one word, alas. They basically just said, what should we do? You need to ask the question out loud. What should you do? And the answer will always be, you need a word from the Lord. You need to hear from God. This is not the time to hear about all the opinions of man. It is not the time to start thinking back in your history of how you dealt with it and what can I do and trying to figure it out. It is a time, we are living in a time, we are in a culture, in a time in human history, what the Bible describes as the last days. Church, we need a fresh word from the Lord. That's what you need. And that's what I need. And that's what we need. We are not interested in whatever religion it has to offer. We're not interested in whatever people are figuring out and trying to feed us from seminary or all. We don't need, we need to hear from God. You don't even need to hear from a pastor. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from the Lord. If God happens to use me, fantastic. But he doesn't need me to give you a word. He has direct access to you. If you'll just have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you. That's what you need in the new year. A conscious decision. I need the Lord. I need a word from the Lord. And that is, when you get to that place, that is always the beginning of glorious change. When you recognize your present condition and desire to change. That's amazing. That, that, that is the place to be. From glory, as we read in the Psalms today, from strength to strength and glory to glory is what God has for you. Not to settle in some place of complacency and apathy as we saw Zerubbabel had to deal with. Dealing with a bunch of apathetic people that were taking the things that belong to God and spending it on themselves. So oh, we don't need the temple. We don't need a place of worship. God doesn't need that. I, I need that stuff more. No, no, God needs to speak and we need to hear now. Here's the scenario as it unfolds. This is amazing. So it says, when Elisha, they go down to Elisha, verse 13. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. And the king of Israel said to him, no, the Lord's called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. 
Okay, so Elisha comes down and he's kind of a smart aleck. This is a sarcastic. You got to allow the Bible to say what it says. He comes down. He's kind of an interesting prophet. He, he learned and was discipled by Elijah. He receives a double portion of Elijah. And, and Elijah was like this as well. So Elisha is more than what Elijah was. And he comes and looks at the wicked king, the rebellious king. And he says, what are you calling me for? You don't even care about God. Why are you calling me? Why don't you call on the false gods of your mom and dad and the false gods that you have in your life right now? And he's basically looking at him and go, what is it? Is the only time you're going to call on God is when you're in a crunch and when you're in, in a difficulty and when your back is up against the wall? That's basically what he's saying. But then he sees Jehoshaphat there. And what does he say? When he sees Jehoshaphat, he says in verse 14, but as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely would it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, that I would not look at you nor see you. <laughs> Say, hey man, if it wasn't for the good king here, I wouldn't pay any attention to you. I would completely ignore you if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat. Which leads me to a beautiful reminder is for the Jehoshaphats in our lives, we should thank God. Because of the Jehoshaphats, we experience blessings for the people that are walking with God. You know, we often talk about if you're the Jehoram today and you're persistent in sin, you know, people are going to pay the price for your sin. Do you know that, right? People that are close to you, people that love you, people that are connected to you, people that are watching you, people will pay the price for your sin, Jehoram. But you know what? The other side, if you're Jehoshaphat and your heart is loyal to God, people are going to benefit from you too. People are going to get the benefit of your faith and your faith walk and your life. And so that's what's happening right here. You know what? If it was just you, I'd let you go and you guys could just be thirsty and die of thirst. But because of Jehoshaphat, I'm here and I'm willing to serve you. And then the next thing he says, which is so interesting in verse 15 is, now bring me a musician. Start some music here. Oh, we need some music in the midst of a dry, arid desert with military men that are thirsty and probably a little angry and frustrated. I think I would be. If I was marching for seven days and there's no water, I'm like, immediately I'm going to think, whose responsibility was that? And then let's find that guy and take care of him and get mad at him. And so there's all kinds of emotion and there's tiredness and there's weariness. And it's just a recipe for disaster. And here's the word of the Lord from Elisha, give me a musician, which probably means a harpist. That's something that they would take with them in a military campaign to soothe like David did with King Saul to soothe emotions. But let me tell you this, this call for a musician reminds us today that music is powerful in the hands of the Lord. It's also powerful in the hands of the devil. Music can be used for good, and it can also be used for bad. Why? Because music sets the atmosphere, and it creates an environment. And if you want to hear a word from the Lord, you need to set the stage and prepare yourself to receive. And one way to do that is bring me the musician. Pastor Ed Taylor reminding us of the power of music in the hands of God. And this is Abounding Grace. We're at the tail end of a series called Faith Forward. In fact, we'll be finishing it up tomorrow. 
You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you might happen to be. Abounding Grace is also available by podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and Apple. You know, it's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call us at 877-30-GRACE. And as the cost of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. We're learning how to dig ditches for the glory of God next time on Abounding Grace. No shovel required, just an open Bible. We'll see you back here tomorrow. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.